Well, church, there is a word from the Lord for you this morning. And if you believe that there is a word from God specially tailored for what you're going through, I want you to type in the comments, speak, Lord, speak, Lord. I believe that God is going to use the word as I believe every single week, that even though it may not every single week be a bombastic production or a word that you remember every single line from, I believe that God is shaping our hearts, forming us, preparing us for what we've been talking about, divine acceleration. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37, and I'm getting ready to pray for you. And as we pray, I hope that you will join your faith with mine for those among us in our community who are dealing with so many things, who are bringing pain and loss of loved ones and sick loved ones and whatever it may be to this moment, and perhaps just general discouragement and fatigue. And as we did last week, I want us to pause here. And I want us to take some time to take a deep breath and remember who our God is. Whatever you're bringing to this moment, it is valid in God's eyes, but God is greater than it. Did you hear me? God is greater than whatever you're going through. So take a deep breath with me. And as you inhaled all the problems of the week, you exhaled them into the hands of a God who can solve them, a God who can preserve you through them. Lift up your hands right now. God in heaven, we thank you that nothing that we face is greater than you and nothing that we face, the pain that we go through is wasted. God, we are people of purpose, but in the midst of our purpose, we feel deep pain. And I pray, God, for those who feel deep pain, deep anguish, deep sorrow, may the, the hands of the one who formed the universe hmm, wrap their hands around, wrap your hands around them and engulf them with your presence. Would the spirit of God be moving right now, even in the midst of of a distance situation, a virtual cyber sanctuary. God, there's no distance between us and you. You are everywhere. Your spirit is with us wherever we may find ourselves. God, I pray that there would not be a disconnect in what I say and what I live. God, there can't be a fire in anyone's place if there's an iceberg behind this pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, your love, and your justice. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Look at Genesis chapter 37. I hope you have it by now. Genesis chapter 37, verse three. Actually, we'll just read verse five. It says here, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. As you all know, we've been starting a new sermon series and diving into it. It's probably something we'll be going through for the next four to five weeks. It is something entitled Godspeed, divine pace for divine purpose. Can you put it in the comments? Godspeed, divine pace for divine purpose. And our idea, our thesis statement is when we get there, wherever there may be, is not as important as how we get there. So when we arrive is not as important as the state of our soul, the state of our spirit upon arrival. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, again, you must learn how to change your pace so that sanctification and growth and development and maturity can catch up with where you want to go. And it's important for us to fall in line with this, to fall in line with where God has us, not where we think we should be. 
And the reason is, as we've been saying from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that God has made everything beautiful or appropriate in its time. You still believe that? That God is making you beautiful and appropriate and your purpose beautiful and appropriate in its proper time and place. I hope you're still believing it. It's going to become progressively harder to believe it over time, but I hope you're still clinging to this reality. I want to talk again from this theme of divine acceleration as we're continuing to talk about what happens when God closes the gap from where we are to where we desire to be. And I was recently having this conversation with someone and it blew my mind. A few of my work colleagues and I were having a conversation with someone who is known to be a very famous, accomplished, and powerful name in the sphere of activism and community organizing. We were having this conversation with her, gleaning insights on how she organized people and, and built them up and used smarts and, and creative thinking to mobilize people toward a goal. It's valuable information, right? And I remember that as we were sitting there, someone blurted out and asked the question, what do you think? How do you think you won? What do you think helped you to ultimately achieve this goal, help you to succeed from where you wanted to be and where you wanted to go? And she said, without blinking, this very accomplished young activist who has done unimaginable, amazing things, without blinking, this is what she said, losing. <laughs> what helped you to ultimately achieve your goal? Losing. What helped me to ultimately achieve my goal was losing. We didn't quite understand what she meant, so she continued. She said, catch this, most people are so obsessed with winning that they can't see how important it is to lose. Sometimes your advancement is on the other side of losing the right way. Hmm. My, my, my. Sometimes your advancement is on the other side of losing the right way. As great as this advice was for the world of activism and organizing, she didn't know that she was given some spiritual transformation as well. We spent three weeks talking about divine acceleration, and I have an inkling feeling, I have this sneaky suspicion that many of us will desire to achieve divine acceleration without cost. Many of us will desire to achieve closing the gap from where we are to where we believe God would have us to be without any sacrifice. Many of us will think that God will close the gap and there will be no residual effect of that. Many of us believe that we can cling and hang on to all the same things that we've been hanging on to our entire lives or our entire spiritual journey. And I'm here to burst that bubble. I'm not here to be a Donald Downer. I'm not here to be the type of person that would make you feel bad about the divine acceleration that I believe God is going to ultimately push you into. But I'm here to give you some news. I'm here to give you a perspective that is very important. Are you ready for it? If you want to go forward, you have to leave something behind. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? If you want to go forward, you have to leave something behind. In other words, let me put it to you another way. Progressing implies losing. Progressing implies losing. If you want to go forward, you have to leave something back where you came from. I know what you're thinking. You desire to have your cake and eat it too. You desire to achieve for God and not change anything about the rhythm, requirements, and repentance that will be required to take you to the next place. I know you think that you're going to be able to accelerate and keep things on your back, but it's not the case. It is not what God has intended for you, and I've got some Bible for you to prove it. Are you ready for this? Hebrews chapter 12. After the writer shares in chapter 11, 
the heroes or the hall of faith, the women and men who God has used over the course of the Old Testament narrative and the New Testament narrative. This is what is said in chapter 12 and verse one. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, catch this, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance, the race that God has marked out for us. It says here, there are some interesting ideas, interesting observations that I can glean from this passage. It says here first, that we must throw off everything that hinders us. Everything, the implication is that there are weights. In the King James, which you're probably more familiar with, it says that we must lay aside every weight that the things which would bind us down in this race called life, in this race called our spiritual journey, in this race towards where God would have us, in this race towards hopefully divine acceleration, we must remove some things from our hearts, remove some things from our souls, take some things off of our minds, remove some habits and patterns from our emotions and our mental state and our mental processing. We must grow. But to grow, we have to leave some things behind. Does that feel uncomfortable to you? If it does, don't be ashamed to admit it because it feels uncomfortable to every person who has gotten comfortable in where they have been, comfortable in where God has had them. But how many know God wants to accelerate you? God wants to move you forward. And if God is going to move you forward, you got to take some things off and leave them behind. There's another scripture I want to draw your attention to. It's Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. It's a very common, commonly quoted scripture, but it's harder for us to live. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Here the prophet is trying to draw Israel's attention to the reality that God does not want them to forget everything that has happened in the past, but God desires for them not to dwell in the past, not to dwell in the former things, not to dwell in what worked, not to dwell in what they had thought they brought to this moment and would carry them forward, what they thought that they could achieve and accomplish and then carry over into the next season. Listen, some things that have worked for you in the past won't work for you after God accelerates you. Some things that you believe are the best practices for how you should live your life and how everyone should live their lives might be helpful for you right now. But where you are going, you're going to have to forget them. There's one other scripture I want to draw your attention to. As we've said, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, it says that God makes everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. But at the beginning of that chapter, notice what it says. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then nestled in all the things that the writer writes, the time to a time to be born, a time to die, a time to heal, and a time to mourn, all these other things, right? What it says in verse six is, there is a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. Here the writer is drawing attention amidst all the things that it's time to do. There is not just a time for us to gain and acquire, but there is a time for us to leave behind. There is a time for us to give up some things. And I'm here to challenge you, church, that you must give up some things. What am I saying? We serve a God who empowers us 
to gain things and to leave things behind. Listen, I know it seems like the things that were taken away from you were essential. I know it seems like the places that you went and are now barred from going, those places were robbed from you. But I'm here to remind you that God has empowered you not just to gain things, but to leave some things behind. I, I want you to lift up your hands wherever you are or type it in the comments if you feel so led. God, help me to leave it behind. God, help me to leave it behind. I don't know what it is for you, but I can tell you that even in the story of Joseph, there were some things that Joseph was forced to leave behind. Some things that he was forced to relinquish. He didn't have an opportunity to negotiate with his adversaries or his betrayers. Joseph was forced to move and leave those things behind. Little did Joseph know, little did they know that he was being accelerated. Uh, take a look at the passage of scripture that was given as your text in Genesis chapter 37, and you'll find a few things that Joseph had to leave behind. The first is found here when it says that Joseph's father, Israel, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. It's a powerful passage because what, it's, what it shows here is that there were the seeds and opportunities for betrayal. And because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe for him, which is commonly called as a coat of many colors, his brothers hated him. It says here in verse four in Genesis chapter 37, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, verse five says, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Uh, let, me talk, let me talk to you about the first thing that Joseph had to leave behind. Joseph had to leave behind his home. Joseph had to leave behind his home. It's interesting because when I say home, I don't mean that every single follower of Jesus has to leave behind their place of origin, their hometown, their, their birth family, has to leave behind those people who raised and reared them. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. But what I mean is home typically can mean the familiar place of favor. Type that in the comments. Type the familiar place. The familiar place of favor. The familiar place of favor is the place where you have received access to whether it's resources or opportunities or networks or affirmation or what you believe to be the hand of God has been placed upon you and you have liberty to do some things that other people cannot do. It is easy for us, church, to idolize that place. It is easy for us, church, to think that God can only move in that place. It is easy for us, church, to believe that God can only operate and bless us in that place. The familiar place of favor is the place where everyone knows your name, is a place where everyone respects your gift. It's the place where everyone assumes that you are the person who is supposed to lead and you are the person who is supposed to be centered and you are the person who is supposed to have access to all that is in that place. It is the familiar place of favor. And I know that many of us feel uncomfortable with this, but for God to accelerate us, we have to be stripped away, moved away from the place that has been familiar, the place where we think the favor of God resides. I'll never forget some key moments in my life where I argued with God. I haggled with God. I had deep conversations with God. I stayed up all night praying, trying to rebuke the enemy, not knowing it was God that was telling me to do it. And I told God, there's no place you want to move. There's no way you want to move me from this place. There's no way you want to move me from this moment. There's no way you want to move me from this relationship. 
There's no way you want to remove me from this job. God, there's no way. I have so much favor here. And what I didn't understand is that God removes us from familiar places because he is trying to protect us from enemies that might be attacking us. Notice this in Genesis chapter 37. It says that Joseph, who was a, it was a little bit petty. He was a little bit petty with his brothers. That's true. But Joseph was sent by Israel to go and find his brothers. And Joseph went and found his brothers. Take a look at verse 18. It says, but they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Verse 22, don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. And Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. See, Joseph was in a familiar place. Joseph was in a place where he had favor. Joseph was in a place where through his dreams, he was hearing the voice of God. But yet and still, Joseph, Joseph's life was under threat. Yet and still, Joseph's life was under siege. Joseph was in trouble and didn't even realize it. How many times have we argued and gotten frustrated and upset with God because a door closed or an opportunity fell through or a relationship went south? or the place that we were planted, we had to be rooted up from it, not knowing that God was trying to protect us from the adversaries that were attacking us, not knowing that God was trying to shield us from attacks that were coming from the enemy that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. I need to, I need to ask you this question because I think for some of us, sometimes we don't ask ourselves the hard questions and that's why we don't get the God results. So can I ask you this question? Are you too familiar with where you are to advance to where God wants to take you. Are you too familiar? Do you feel like God has favor there? Do you feel like the favor will leave you once you go forward? Do you feel like you don't have the credentials to walk through that door? Do you feel like you don't have the favor to start another relationship? Do you feel like you don't have the patience to deal with new people? Can I challenge you that the same God who was with you before is the same God who's going to be with you moving forward? Can I challenge you not to deny the opportunities and the moments when God allows you to be ripped from the place where you are and moved forward to a place where God will show you? Is this not the same God who told Abram, get up from your country and your kindred and go catch this to a land that I will show you, a land I'm not even going to tell you about yet? Is this not the God who moved them through the waters? Is this not the God who removed the children of Israel from Egypt and from bondage and from slavery? And they didn't know what they were going to face, but he said, there's a promised land waiting for you. Is this not the same God? Is this not the God who can remove you from that job, who can remove you from that place? and get you out of your familiar, comfortable place so that you have to trust God more? Are you hearing me, church? Perhaps God is trying to work on your trust. Perhaps God is trying to work on your hope. Perhaps God is trying to work on your imagination. Perhaps God is trying to work on your faith. Not only was Joseph required to leave behind his home, Joseph was also required to leave behind his status. It's so interesting for me that every single time Joseph advances, Joseph is ripped away from his place of status. Isn't it interesting in Genesis chapter 39, verse 5? 
We read this a couple of weeks ago. It says here that from the time that he was put in charge of the household of Potiphar and all that Potiphar owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Isn't it interesting that not only was that the case for Joseph, but it's also the case that when he was put in prison, the warden at the end of Genesis chapter 39 put him over the all of the matters of the prisoners, all of the matters of the prison. He didn't even think about anything because Joseph was over it. Isn't it interesting that every time Joseph gets advanced, he gets betrayed by Potiphar's wife or he gets forgotten by the cupbearer who forgot to mention to the king that there's a man in the prison who can interpret all of our dreams, a man of God. Isn't it interesting that in the moment when Joseph should be able to advance and go further, he gets ripped from that place or forgotten about in that place? Yes, Joseph was over all the matters of the prison, but he was still bound. Yes, Joseph was a great strategist and administrator in Potiphar's house, but he was ripped away from it because he was lied on. And sometimes I ask God this question, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through that? You you ever ask God this question? Why am I going through this, God, in the middle of doing good, of being faithful, of loving my enemies, of doing my work, and all of a sudden I'm going through pain? Make it make sense, God. I don't get it. Sometimes I fail to remember, though, that God doesn't just want to accelerate me. God wants to grow me. Uh, Come here. You've thought about acceleration different from how God designs acceleration to be. Chances are that many of us think that we serve God just so that God will accelerate us and move us forward and push us forward and take us to a next level. But God desires for our external to match our internal. God desires for our movement to match our maturity. God desires for our external blessings to match the state of our soul. And I'm here to tell you, church, that you cannot stay in the same place internally if you desire to go somewhere externally. Perhaps God allowed Joseph to lose the opportunity to advance beyond individual moments because he wanted to see if he liked the promotion better than the provider. Do you like the promotion better than the provider? Are you clinging to your status? Are you clinging to your title? Are you clinging to the thing that makes you valid in the eyes of people? Are you clinging to the thing that makes you legit? And God is saying, leave that status behind. Let it go. Don't take it with you. Relinquish it. Don't make an idol out of it. Don't memorialize it. Is this not the same thing that Jesus did? Jesus is our example. Jesus is our great model. Jesus is our savior, our Messiah. Is this not what Jesus did? Philippians 2 tells us, it it says this, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, relinquished his status. Catch this. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. And what does it say? Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. God gave him the name that is above every other name. It is a truth of principle in scripture because of the example of Jesus, because of our savior sacrificing everything for us. You you know that's why we're here, right? 
We're here not because we just like watching church services. We're here not just because we like friends and fellowship. We're here because we have been transformed and changed by the power of a living God. And this living God considered the fact that we were stuck in our sin, that we were stuck in our plight, and that there was no way for us to have right relationship with God. And so this Jesus humbled himself and relinquished his status in heaven. And many of us are quibbling with God because we have to let a title go. Many of us are quibbling with God because we have to leave a place where God has originally made us legit. And now God wants to take us to another place. And we're saying, God, why do I have to leave here? I have so much favor here. I have so much status here. And God is saying, do you think your status is rooted in a title or what people think of you? People can't validate you and they can't invalidate you. But if you give them that power, then they have it. They can validate you. They can invalidate you. They can uphold you or they can put you down. They can lift you up or they can tear you down. And God desires for us to be free and clear to relinquish all our vain statuses so that God can fully accelerate us. Lose your status. People might talk about you. Let them. People might discredit you in a new season. Allow it. Don't fight back. There's no need for you to fight back. There's no need for you to war with people. Give up the title. Give up the spot. Give up the, the place where people have lifted you on. The pedestal. Tear down the pedestal and humble yourself. That is where divine acceleration happens. That's what happened with Jesus. That's what happens with us. Finally, church, what we see here is in Genesis chapter 41, verse 39, we see that Joseph doesn't just leave behind his home, doesn't just leave behind his familiar place of favor, doesn't just leave behind his status, his title, his validation with people. Joseph, to be accelerated, has to leave behind his chains. <laughs> Genesis chapter 41, verse 39, watch what happens. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Isn't it interesting that when Joseph walked in, he was a prisoner and he left as a ruler of the palace? Isn't it interesting that Joseph walked in in chains and left free? Isn't it interesting that Joseph's status was prisoner, was slave, was less than, was marginalized, was ostracized, but he left in a liberating fashion as the ruler of all the land? And here's what I think chains signifies for us. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, actually Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, when it says here that we have to leave behind the sin that so easily entangles. Isn't it interesting that so often sin is given and shown as chains, as bondage, as shackles? And if we desire to be accelerated in God's kingdom and in God's way, we have to leave some sin behind. I, now, I know, I know what you're thinking. I repent of my sins. I ask God for forgiveness. 
I tell God what I do wrong. God already knows anyway. But the truth of the matter is, church, we have to have a new level, not just of, uh, of training, not just of anointing, not just of gift, but we have to have a new level of repentance. Repentance literally means to change our mind, to be going in one way and realize that destruction awaits and to literally do an about face, literally do a 180 and go in the opposite direction. And here, if Joseph was so caught up in the familiar place, if Joseph said this is too much, too fast, if Joseph didn't have character and integrity, he would have went back to the chains. Church, you have to leave behind your chains. I fear that many of us will have an opportunity for divine acceleration, an opportunity to move forward in God, an opportunity to go far in God and walk into everything that God has called for us to do, but we'll like our chains too much. What could chains be for you? That could be mindsets that you haven't repented of. That could be actions and activity that you know is not producing the righteousness of God. It could just be that your mouth needs to change in terms of what you say and how you refer to people. It could just be your, your soul and your mind, how you think about people needs to change. It could just be that there needs to be some submission in how you are generous or your lack of generosity. It could be how you treat people. It could be your forgiveness level. It could be any of these things. It could be what you do with your body. It could be uh, the things that you use to self-medicate. I don't know what it is for you, but let me tell you something. If you like change too much, you won't be ready when God is ready to accelerate you. You'll say this is too much too fast. I, I can't do all this. Why? Because implicitly you know you're not right. And I'm here not as a messenger of condemnation, but I'm here to give you freedom and liberation that whatever it is, you can lay it at the altar and leave it behind. Whatever it is, I know we don't have a physical altar, but you can leave your chains behind and put on the ring of a loved child of God. Isn't it so interesting that in the story of the two brothers in the New Testament, what do we see? That Jesus actually tells the story of someone who leaves the father's house, comes back, and what does the father do? The father celebrates over him. The father throws a party. The father gives him authority. And I want you to get your agency back, church. I want you to get your authority back. I want you to get your power back. I want you to get your might back. I want you to get your anointing back. I want you to go to a new level in your giftings in God. I want you to go to a new level in your interpersonal relationships. I want you to go to a new level in everything that God has planned for you, but you can't do it if you can't repent. If you can't say, God, I missed it. <laughs> Not as condemnation because Romans 8.1 tells us there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not a message of judgment. It's a message of encouragement that you are able to live free. And when you're able to be freed from your chains, who knows what awaits you? Who knows what you're going to be ready for? Who knows what God can accelerate you into? Church, I hope that you hear this, whether it's leaving behind your familiar place of favor, your status and your title, or your chains, your sin, your ability to repent, whatever it may be, church, I hope that you hear this as a grand invitation, that acceleration is around the corner if you're willing to let some things go, if you're willing to leave it behind, if you're willing to set it aside, if you're willing to say no more, if you're willing to say, I don't have to take the weights that entangle me. I don't have to take the things that hold me back with me to my next place. 
but God, you can accelerate me so I can let it go. Can you lift up your hands right now? God, I pray right now that you would empower your people, not just to gain, but to let go. Not just to keep, but to give away. I pray for some specific people. I pray for the people who feel as though they do not have favor in a new place. God, I rebuke the mindset of the enemy, which says that there's only one place where you can thrive. You're not going to be valid in a new place. That is a lie from the pit of hell itself. I pray that we would have the confidence, the God ability to see things that are greater than us because you are with us wherever we go. God, I pray for those specifically who are having to leave behind a title and humble themselves, leave behind status and lower themselves and think that they are no longer valid and legit. God, I speak against that. I pray that they would embrace a new state so that you can accelerate them to a healthier place. And God, I pray for those who are just bound, who just don't see a way out. It is for freedom that you have set us free, God. So we do not return to the weight of bondage. Set us free, Lord. Make us pure vessels, clean hands and a pure heart. May we be consistent in our character. Perfection is not what we're after, but consistency, God. May we be consistent in our character so that you can use us as you have called us. Let us lay aside every weight. And when we do it, God, I pray that you would help us to see that we're not leaving behind things that will benefit us, but things that will only hold us back. And God, would you accelerate us as only you can in Jesus' name? Amen. Leave it behind, church. I pray that you leave it behind, experience freedom and acceleration as only God can. I love you. We'll see you next week. Well, church, I hope that that word and worship blessed you. I hope it challenged you. I hope the seeds of the gospel were sown deep in the soil of your soul so that you can bear much fruit. We don't just believe in making decisions. We truly believe in making transformation and discipleship. So if you made a decision for Christ today, I hope and desire that you would reach out to us, that you would type home in the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. We genuinely want to reach out and talk to you and encourage you and walk with you on this spiritual journey. And when it comes to salvation, I just want to make this clear that it is just a prayer away. That the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And salvation is the most important decision you can make, the decision to follow after Jesus. It's not just a momentary statement. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a heart transformation. And so if that's you and you desire a heart transformation, it is as simple as lifting up your hands and saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone against your way. God, I desire to follow after you for all of my days. I desire to lift up Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I know that Jesus will change my life forever. It's as simple as that. You don't have to use my words. There's no power in my words. The power is in the confession and in the belief. And if you prayed that prayer, again, type home in the comments. We would absolutely love to talk with you and walk with you along this next stage of your spiritual journey. Thank you again for tuning in. If you did not have the chance to give, 
I want you to click the app uh, link or the giving link up in the description or in the pinned comment, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. That'll take you directly to places where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift if you want to sow into the kingdom. There's no compulsion. We're not trying to scheme to get money out of you. That's not our desire at all, at all. We just believe in giving and in generosity because it reflects the heart of the kingdom of God and also so that ministry can be done, true ministry can be done as well. Well, church, I hope to see you next week here at the NDCC Online Worship Experience. Same time, same place, we are going to be here and I know that God is going to meet you. I pray that God stays with you, that it's not just here on a Sunday morning, but I pray that God stays with you throughout the week. I speak blessings upon you, the power and the peace of God upon you as you go into real life now. Go and apply and do what God has taught you today. Well, this is Pastor Tyler and on behalf of our entire team. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Be blessed.